the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, January the 19th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today, on January 19, 1981, the United States and Iran signed an accord paving the way for the release of 52 Americans held hostage for more than 14 months. They signed the deal because Ronald Reagan was about to become president of the United States and they did not want to deal with him. They released them the next day, tomorrow, as Ronald Reagan became president of the United States. Today, in 1861, Georgia became the fifth state to secede from the Union. Today, in 1915, Germany carried out its first air raid on Britain during World War One. Today, in 1937, millionaire Howard Hughes set a transcontinental air, air record by flying his monoplane from Los Angeles to Newark, New Jersey in 7 hours, 28 minutes, and 25 seconds. Today, in 1955, a presidential news conference was filmed for television and newsreels for the first time. They had to get permission from the president. The president was Dwight D. Eisenhower. Today, in 1980, retired Supreme Court Justice William O. Douglas died in Washington, D.C. He was 81 years old. As many of you know, in particular in Washington State, he spent a great deal of time in the state, in here in Washington. Today, in 2005, the American Cancer Society reported that cancer had passed heart disease as the top killer of Americans age 85 and younger. <clears throat> One, uh, one year ago today, health officials in central China, they reported that 17 more people had been diagnosed with this new, strange coronavirus. It had already killed two patients at that point in China. Dolly Parton is 75 years old today, if anybody cares. I've never met her, but I know people who know her. They say she is a wonderful, compassionate, loving person. And she outdoes herself to give help and money to people in need. Anyway, she's 75 years old. Today, Nahum, the prophet, is not often quoted, but he should be. If for no other reason, well, for no other reason, he's part of the inspired word of God. But for no other reason, in chapter 1, verse 7 of Nahum, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. The Lord is good. He is a safe place, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows you if you've put your trust in him. That's powerful. We need a stronghold today. And I think we need to be reminded that the Lord knows you. 
He knows what you're going through. He knows the anxieties. He knows the difficulties. He knows the challenges. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. He said, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. How does that work? It only works when we're in a personal relationship with Almighty God through His Son, Jesus Christ, who died for our sins and rose from the dead. That's how that works. And if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I would encourage you to do that. Simply ask Him to forgive you of your sins. Confess that He is indeed the Son of God, that He was crucified, died, and resurrected from the dead to pay the penalty that we could not pay for our sins. Accept Him. Believe that He is who He says He is and who the Bible says He is, and you shall have eternal life. I would encourage you to do that. I'm getting notes from people saying they have accepted Jesus Christ listening to this program. If you don't know Him personally, make that decision today. It's it's the wisest, most consequential decision you can make in your life. Maybe you go to church. Maybe you're involved in your church. That's great. But that isn't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a personal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Then, when you are in that relationship, you can begin to sort things out. You can be troubled on every side, but you're not distressed. You can be perplexed about what in the world is going on. But you're not in despair. You can be persecuted. I personally think some of that is coming to those of us who truly believe the Bible and try to live by the principles and the teaching of the Bible, but will not be forsaken. We can be cast down. We won't be destroyed. That's how that works. In a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. I don't often do this on this program, but I I want to take a couple of moments today, and I, I, I just don't do it. It's going to take a couple of minutes, about three minutes, to read this, but I want to read something that Tucker Carlson said yesterday, and rather than paraphrase it, I often paraphrase what other people are saying. I sometimes quote them, but it's just a few words. But I, I don't know how to paraphrase this, and I, I want you to hear it because I think it's significant and very, very timely. So let me just go through this. I'm, I'm, this is verbatim something Tucker Carlson said last night on his program on Fox News. He said, Our capital city, Washington, is under military occupation tonight. By Inauguration Day, they are expected to be more than 26,000 armed federal troops in Washington, D.C., No living America has ever seen a moment like the one we're watching now, 26,000 soldiers. That's more than five times the number of American military personnel currently stationed in Iraq and Afghanistan combined. That's more than twice the number of troops that President Lyndon Johnson ordered to Washington in April of 1968. In April of 1968, Washington, D.C. was literally on fire. Race riots had broken out after the assassination of 
Martin Luther King. More than a thousand people were injured in those riots, and at least 13 of them died. Much of the capital was leveled. It stayed that way, blocks of charred rubble for decades. If you visited Washington in the 1990s, you'll remember what it looked like. But according to our current leaders, the so-called insurrection of January 6th was much worse than any of that. So far, here's the death toll from that day. A police officer was hit in the head by rioters, then later had a stroke and died at a local hospital. An unarmed protester was shot to death by authorities as she tried to climb through a window, a woman who may have been trampled to death by the crowd. As of tonight, that was last night, those are the three casualties we can confirm from the riot of the Capitol building on July, January 6th. In response to that, our leaders have assembled the largest military presence in Washington in all of American history during peacetime. In 1864, the Civil War raged on the other side of the Potomac, and Americans died every day in large numbers in battle. There were fewer federal troops protecting Washington, D.C. than there are tonight, last night. And it's truly a national force. The guardsmen you see in Washington have come from every state in the Union, as well as from Puerto Rico. And the question is, why is that? There's no practical or operational justification for it. For decades, Washington, D.C. has the highest per capita law enforcement presence in the country and one of the highest in the world. So there was no need to fly in troops from Alaska to keep the city safe. But keeping the city safe was hardly the point of the exercise. The murder rate in the District of Columbia has risen with terrifying speed over the last six months. Men, women, children shot to death in the streets. But no one in charge seems to care about that or even notice their deaths. So no matter what they're telling you, those 26,000 federal troops are not there for your safety. Instead, unmistakably, the Democrat Party is using those troops to send the rest of us a message about power. We're in charge now. We run this nation from Honolulu to our colony in the Caribbean. And everything in between, very much, including where you and your family live. Do not question us. Men with guns enforce our decrees. We control the Pentagon. And indeed, they do control the Pentagon. Republicans have spent years ignoring the leftward drift of our officer corps, but we can't ignore it now. The mask is off. Our military leadership, the very same generals who howled at the idea of deploying American troops to stop an invasion on our southern border, those same generals sent tens of thousands of soldiers with rifles to Washington purely as a show of force on behalf of the political party they support. And once they did that, they then allowed Democratic politicians to degrade and politicize the military itself. Democrats in Congress demanded that the troops sent to Washington this week submit to a political purity test, ideological vetting, as they put it, to make certain that every soldier professed loyalty to the new regime, not loyalty to our country, not loyalty to our Constitution, but loyalty to the aims of a specific political party. Nothing like that has ever happened in America. And just a few months ago, it would have been unimaginable. Suddenly, it's compulsory. That was Tucker Carlson last night. The National Guard is about 90%, I think, 90% male, and about 20% of white males voted for Biden. You can do the math roughly if you look at that, and I did. 
it's mostly conservative, the guard, not talking about the elites in the military. Those people generally voted for Trump, and that's the whole issue of this thing. We live in some troubling times. There is no question about that. Tomorrow we are about to lurch to the left as Joe Biden, I guess, takes control of America. Actually, Kamala Harris will probably be taking control of America, and she is the most far-left senator in the Senate. She will resign the Senate tomorrow at 12 noon Eastern Time to become the Vice President of the United States. We have never seen anything like the military presence in Washington, D.C. to make a statement. Do they really think that those people that were walking around, no, not the rioters that broke into the Capitol on the 6th. I watched that live. I saw people from middle America, thousands of them, walking around. I'm not in any way defending breaking glass at the Capitol. I oppose that strongly, just like I do breaking glass and destroying businesses in Seattle and Portland and Minneapolis and and St. Louis and across the country with no consequences. There should be consequences to all who break the law, but there aren't. But tomorrow we will lurch to the left in a way that our country has never done. We will abandon Judeo-Christian principles to a great degree under the guise of this president, this incoming president, undoing, these are his words, undoing many of the policies of Donald Trump. I'm not speaking in defense of Donald Trump, but I am speaking strongly in defense of Judeo-Christian values. Whatever Trump's thinking was, he did the right thing again and again and again. But here we are, 75 million people voted for Trump, and they say 83 million, and I really don't believe that, to be honest with you, but they say 83 million voted for Joe Biden. Kate Benningfield, the incoming White House communications director, on Sunday, she outlined President-elect Joe Biden's plans to, quote, bring the country together and to roll back some of the most egregious moves of the Trump administration. She says, we're very much looking forward to President-elect Biden putting his hand on the Bible at noon on the 20th. Tomorrow, Joe Biden is set to become the 46th president of the United States. Kamala Harris, as I said, will become the vice president. I'd like to take one last look in the rearview mirror just before we lurch to the left with the most leftist administration in the history of our country. And yes, I'm very aware of FDR. But this is the most leftist in the history of our country. In an interview with ABC News Sunday, Bettingfield, she'll be the spokesperson for Biden. She said Biden's inaugural address on Wednesday will come, will be one to unify America. I'd like to talk to you a little bit today about unification. She says, quote, I think that what you'll hear from President-elect Biden on Wednesday will be a reflection of a lot of what he said on the campaign trail, which is he believes we can bring this country together. He believes that we have to bring this country together, that a unified America is the only way we're going to be able to tackle the massive crisis that we're grappling with. I continued to watch the ABC interview because I don't recall candidate Joe Biden saying much of anything on the campaign trail because he spent the entire year sitting in his basement. 
I'm not being critical. I'm just stating a fact. He wasn't on the campaign trail, so I don't know what he said. There was always someone else speaking for him, but mostly the press. They carried out the candidacy of Joe Biden in his absence. He would get up in the mornings and declare a lid, that's what they call it, on the day, meaning he wouldn't talk to the press that day. He had other pressing matters. He would sit in his basement. He did. So the press campaigned for Joe Biden, and a few others spoke up on his behalf. I don't know if they were talking that much about unification or not, but they say he was. Bennington says she doesn't want to share too much in advance of Biden's speech, but she said this will be the moment where President Biden will really work to try to turn the page of divisiveness and hatred over the last four years and really lay out a way, a path forward that really calls on all of us to work together. She says that's what he wants for America, and that's what Americans want. Well, first of all, is that possible? And secondly, is that really what Americans want? Bennington says, across the course of the first week and a half in office, she said, this is the path that the new president will take. She said, you're going to see him focus on workers, make good on his Buy America promise, and make good on his promise to move us toward a more just and racially equitable society. Well, that's interesting that he's going to be moving us in that direction. There's a poll out this morning. It was paid for by um, the Associated Press and Nork Center, which is a public affairs research company. And the poll out this morning, published by Associated Press, says otherwise. They're saying that the American people, the majority of the American people, don't want what she says will be the path forward with this new president. They're not in any way um, contradicting him. They just published this at the same time that she was laying out his path. But what they found in this poll, they said overall, 53% of Americans named COVID-19 as one of the top five issues they want the government to tackle this year. 68% mentioned in some way the economy, which is still reeling from the outbreak, the coronavirus. In an open-ended question, Those priorities, Associated Press says, far outpace all the others, like foreign affairs, immigration, climate change, and racial inequality. So what Biden's path is going to be has to do with primarily climate change and racial inequality isn't even what Americans want, according to Associated Press. It's interesting that she says he's going to make good on his on his uh, Buy America promise. This morning, there's a story just published this morning by several news organizations, conservative ones. You know that guy that's on television all the time, Mike Lindell? MyPillow.com, MyPillow, you know that one. I mean, it just gets in your head. He's on there all the time. Well, yesterday, Kohl's, the department store, and Bed Bath & Beyond announced... They're not going to be carrying his MyPillow anymore. CEO Mike Lindell said yesterday, said Monday morning, said Monday night, afternoon, this morning, it's in the news, that his company recently was notified that they're discontinuing, they're cutting him off. 
He said, I just got a phone call from Bed Bath & Beyond, and they're dropping my pillow. He, his company has turned into a multi-million dollar. I mean, it's amazing what you can do with a pillow. But anyway, he said he just got off the phone not five minutes ago. He said, Kohl's and all these different places are calling, including Bed Bath & Beyond, and they're saying that they're cutting him off. And he said, when I asked them why, he said, well, that they've come under a lot of pressure from an organization called Sleeping Giant. Well, this Sleeping Giant is an organization that pushes companies to stop doing a business with people that they don't agree with. Whom they do agree with is the far-left Democrats. They are far-left, so-called progressive. Lindell says it's not really their fault, meaning the stores, he said, because they don't realize that these are fake people with a fake agenda. But he said, people should go into the stores and tell them that they support my pillow. Well, some will probably do that. But anyway, he goes on. He said, the, the cancellation of Linda, Lindell's products is the la- latest in a punitive action taken against Trump and his supporters since January 6th. Sleeping Giants is this leftist activist group they have ongoing campaigns they're trying to get everybody from Breitbart to Fox News to everybody off the air I mean that that's their agenda and sometimes they succeed in this case they did what prompted them to take on Mike Lindell and his pillow is that he had a private meeting with Donald Trump President Trump on Friday and nobody knows what they talked about but they're making accusations so all of that, they're trying to shut down a, a large, it's a multi-million dollar corporation now, I've read, because he met with President Trump. That's how bad it is. And Joe Biden will stand up tomorrow as he becomes President of the United States, and he will say, I want to make good on my promise by America, if they embrace leftist views. That's the path forward. But remember, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows them that trust in him. There's a Rasmussen report published yesterday as well that says something that doesn't line up with Biden as well, including the poll out this morning from Associated Press. Rasmussen found that a majority of voters believe they live in a country that is generally fair, not a systemically racist country. 54% of all likely voters, that's from every political affiliation, 54% of all American voters say American society is generally fair and decent. It's not racial. It's, I mean, racist. 38% disagree. They say America is basically unfair and very discriminatory and reparations should be made to all blacks that live in America. 8% don't know what they believe. Among Democrats, the numbers are reversed. 54% of Democrats say America is basically unfair and discriminatory. 38% say they think it's fair and decent. 72% of Americans, voters, say America is fair and decent. 51% of voters not affiliated with either majority party agree with them. Now, something's very wrong there on how we view America. But how will Biden change the minds of most Americans? He's going to have to change the minds of 72% of the Republican voters who think America is fair and decent and a wonderful country. He's going to have to make them believe it's a horrible country so he can lead them back to not thinking that anymore. He's trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist. 
He's addressing an issue that's not an issue with the majority of Americans. Democrats in recent years have attempted to do exactly that. They've tried to tell America we're no good so they can make us better with their progressive ways. Barack Obama is the most recent example. He constantly worked to diminish America, declaring it wasn't exceptional, was guilty of mortal sins like slavery and needed to be taken down a notch. Those are his words, not mine. Apologizing to foreign countries as often as possible. The progressive path that Biden is going to be working toward is a path toward failure because most of the 72% simply are not going to change their minds. I'm not. I would guess you're not either. I'm not going to believe that America is a terrible place, a racist place, and we hate all people that aren't white like us. That simply isn't true. I'm just an ordinary guy that grew up in a farming community, in an orchard community. I didn't even think about what color people's skin was till I got into college and they, I started getting indoctrinated at Bellevue College, no less, at that moment. Yes, I went to a religious school as well. But this is, they've created this, this straw problem that they now want to put all of the resources of the most prosperous nation in the world to solving. Maybe it doesn't need to be solved. Maybe we can come together around real issues that will unify us. Scripture says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The late Francis Schaeffer shared this illustration in his book. It's called Marking the Watershed. That's the name of the book. This is from chapter, I think, two or three. He says, not far from where we live in Switzerland is a high ridge of rock with a valley on both sides. One time I was there when I was now in the ground along the ridge. The snow was lying there unbroken, a seeming unity. However, the unity was an illusion, for it lay along a great divide. It lay along a watershed. One portion of the snow, when it melted, would flow into one valley. The snow, which lay close beside, would flow into another valley when it, no, when it melted. After tracing uh, at some length where the snow would go, part of it would go the, into the Rhine in Germany, and the other part would go into another river. I can't remember the name of it. And it would flow out into the warm Mediterranean. He made the, made the case of how that is a kind of a continental divide like we have in the United States. But he said, the snow lies along the watershed unbroken as seeming unity, but the watershed divides. He goes on to make the case that the watershed divide in our country today, in America and in the world, is really not about politics. It's really about what we believe in our heart of hearts. If we truly believe in the authority of the Bible, as we say we do, Schaefer says we must consider the fact that truth carries with it confrontation and sometimes disagreement. Unity is not the goal. Obedience to God is the goal. And to the degree that we bring ourselves in unity with God's word and in a relationship with God's son, Jesus Christ, it is to that degree that we will have unity. We will not have unity from whether it's stuttering Joe Biden or whether it's Ronald Reagan. It doesn't matter. We are only going to be unified through spiritual principles, not political policies. Other than that, I have no opinion. And I'm out of time. Thanks for being with me today. Man, I wish I had 15 more minutes today, but that's not available. Thank you for standing with us, and thank you for your support.
We need it. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. I'll see you tomorrow.